I'm a follower of Jesus. It's the most important thing in my life. The most healing, healthy thing for the human brain is a belief in God and prayer. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to the Spiritual Laws of Nature and today welcome to the start of my series on the five big questions and today we're talking about question number one which is what is the meaning of life on the I'm a believer in Jesus track. Now if you're not a believer in Jesus, or if you're starting from ground zero on this what's the meaning of life, meaning I haven't determined my worldview yet, whether I think there's God or spiritual reality or not, or it's all just evolution and survival of the fittest, then I would highly, highly recommend that you listen to the other version of what is the meaning of life for anyone and everyone, because with that one, I'll, I'll start with when I didn't believe there was a God. And I was searching, started from zero, having thrown everything else overboard. What is reality? What is truth? What is the meaning of life? Alright, so that's not in this one. If you want to hear that, go to that one. With this one, we're starting with you are a believer in Jesus. Um... Wow, has this been a journey for me. Uh, I started uh, being brought up in a strict re uh, religious setting. My parents were not as strict as the church and school I went to, but they were pretty strict. It was still very much legalistic, and in some areas legalistic almost to the point of being cultic, like the Baptists across the street are going to hell because you know, they, their building has Baptist on it instead of Church of Christ, or uh, because they believe in this instead of this. Things that were never uh, anywhere in here. Uh, the, you know, we've already talked about what true religion is and what uh, the requirement for winning at the transition of this life is, and they're pretty much the same thing, to help people that need help and to live in love. Okay? That, that's, that's, that's it. Alright? But that's not where I started. Um, where I started was God is just waiting for you to step a toe out of line so he can whack you. Now if you'd asked me, do I believe God is a loving God or that God loves me, I would have said yes. But then if you'd asked me to describe his um, views toward me and also my views toward myself, you would have thought, boy, if that's love, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Okay? And I think that's true. I think I was wrongly believing how God sees me. That was based on men and women who were being controlled by money, politics, church politics, power, control, or they were just 
blindly believing what someone else had said because they either think they're not smart enough or they're not supposed to decide that the the priest or the preacher is. They're the designated uh, interpreter of everything of God for you, which is not true. When Jesus died on the cross, it says the veil of the temple was rent into our relationship is now directly with God, not through a preacher or a priest. Okay, so I grew up with in that believing that to be okay, I had to do everything. Well, I had to do ninety percent or so right, good as compared to bad. And if I had one or two big bad things, that might do it all by itself. Didn't matter if I had. 10% bad, 90% good. I might could have 98% good, but I did two big ones over here that blows the whole deal for me. All right? When, um, after Hope kicked me out of the house in uh, 1988 or something like that, which by the way was, she was totally right, and it was one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Now at the time, I would have said it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Today, I would say it's easily one of the five best things that's ever happened to me. So what does that say about whether we think something is good or bad in the present moment? It says we may not know what's good or bad right now in the present moment. We may not know till way later whether what's happening now is actually good or bad regardless of whether it's pleasurable or painful. Okay? And... Believing in that God who is uh, vengeful and selfish and really wants to punish me uh, really did a number on me that it took me decades to recover from. And, and the basic premise of, the, of that system is the way everything in nature works. Okay? Stimulus, response, action, reaction. You do something good, you get something good. You do something bad, you get something bad. Right? That's the way law works. All right? But when we look at the, the message here, that is, I have to say, almost, almost unbelievably comical that this is called good news. Um, why am I saying that? I mean, if you won, uh, if you won a billion dollars in a lottery you didn't even know you were in, and they said, okay, this thing happened and you're a billionaire immediately, I kind of doubt you would say, oh, okay, you're reading the paper or something, oh, well, that's good news. And then you go back to the paper. <laughs> no! You would put the paper down. You, Hope, where are you? George, Harry. I'd start calling people. You'll never believe it. What's that? Well, um, this good news is way better than that good news. But instead of being called the most unbelievable, miraculous, thing that could ever happen to Alex or any other human being that is 
so good there's not even words for it. You know, that sort of thing. That's the truth of it. But what God said is, it's good news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, let, let me try to put into a capsule, what is that good news? Well, here it is to me. And please, do not believe this or anything else because I say it. Go search for yourself, all right? But the Bible says, the, before the foundations of the world that God existed and Jesus was there. Jesus in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus was the Word. So in the beginning, before the foundations of the world, God was lonely. Why is He lonely? Because God is love. And there is love does not exist outside the context of relationship. So you have to have relationship, and that means uh, beings to have relationship with in order to have relationship. And so do I think God was, you know, depressed or something like that because he only had Jesus and the Holy Spirit maybe to be in... No, no, absolutely not. I think God was fine. But he wanted more people, more beings to love. He was lonely, wanted beings to love and be in relationship with, to love him and for him to love them. And so, for God so loved the world, put your name in there. I know you've all heard that before, but it's true. For God so loved Alex. For God so loved Larry, Mary, that he gave his only son. So this happened in, you know, years. In what, 2, two AD or something like that? But it was decided, it really happened in the planning before the foundations of the world. So because God is love, cannot tell a lie, so is total truth, is a just God, there has to be fairness and justice, and love would always choose grace for the object of its love, so God endorses, believes in, wants to act toward those he loves in grace. So, all four of those are there, I believe, before the foundations of the world. But here's the problem. In order for love to exist, in order for me, Alex, to choose love and be in a loving relationship with God, I have to have another choice which is not to love. I have to. If I don't have another choice, if love is my only choice, in other words, it's sort of forced on me, ladies and gentlemen, that's not love. That eliminates love. So because it's all about love, God had to give us a somewhat fair and equal choice to choose to not love.
And in basics, it's to choose fear instead of love. To choose what I want instead of love. To choose seek pleasure and avoid pain for me rather than choose love. To choose to maybe even manipulate circumstances and people sometimes to get what I want, etc., etc. That has to be there or you've eliminated love and God is a God of love. He built the world and me and you for loving, positive relationship. So there has to be that choice not to. All right. Being in this flesh that I'm in, okay, here's what I believe. This flesh is not me. Okay, I put on uh, 10 or 15 pounds, you know, since college. But, and, and I look at that and I feel some negative self-worth stuff, especially when my pants won't fit very good anymore. But, ladies and gentlemen, this isn't me. The hair, the eyes, everything you see and think Alex Lloyd maybe, none of that is me. Okay, what is me is inside... It is not a physical body, evidently, or at least not in our paradigm of a physical body. It, it is self-perpetuating or God, God's power perpetuating, okay? But my spirit, I don't believe, needs food and drink and all that. That's for the physical body that is not me, okay? So because I'm... I have this suit of flesh on for 80 years. That suit of flesh screams to seek pleasure and avoid pain. And it screams so loud that it is literally impossible for me to do everything right. It is impossible for me to not mess up in this suit of flesh and with the alternative choice to choose fear and what's in it for me so that the love choice can be available to me. All right? But the biggest mistake I make is when I think Alex did that. No, Alex didn't do that. This suit of flesh, this old man, this that needs to be crucified, that needs to be, that needs to die, and, and a new man, a new Alex come up, all right? That's what's responsible for the thing wrong, at least according to this God who is love, truth, a God of justice, and in acts, grace rather than law, okay? In other words, before the foundations of the world, before all this started, God knew that in order to have real grace, that it had to be paid for. The justice had to be paid for. The justice is me doing something wrong, okay? So I get a speeding ticket or I get put in jail or whatever, but there's some punishment for doing something wrong. That's what's fair. That is what is just in any and every society, and with God. But what if I can't pay for that? 
What if that wrong I did and a thousand others during that 80 years, I don't have any spiritual money that is capable of paying for that. Which means justice has not been satisfied, which means there can't be real grace. It's only cheap grace that doesn't really do the job. So what I believe is before the foundations of the world, um, a, a communication of sorts took place between God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, something like that. Because the issue was God was lonely. He wanted beings to be in loving relationship with. But for it to be a loving relationship, each of those beings had to have the choice to not love, which means they would be doing things wrong, which means now justice is out of line and has to be paid for in order for there to be real grace. And God knew that I couldn't pay and you couldn't pay the price that would be enough for me to have full, complete grace live in love, and be right for a good relationship, loving relationship with God. Well, right there, I promise you, if I were God, I would say, well, then let's do it another way. We're not going to do it this way because the only solution this way is that we, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, have to pay the price for Alex and for you and for Hope and for Lori and for billions and billions that would live after that. They couldn't pay the price, so God the Godhead, the Trinity, would have to pay my price, yours, everyone. What's the price? It's death. In the love-fear paradigm, fear is choosing fear is always death. All fear is ultimately a fear of death. In fact, the other name for the stress response is the fear response. And the stress response is only supposed to be activated if I'm in danger right now of physical imminent death. So the price that has to be paid is death. Only I need to live if I'm going to have loving relationship with God. That's what I'm here for. That's what it's about. So I believe that somehow in that communication between the Trinity before the foundation of time, God said, one of us has to die and either asked Jesus to, or Jesus volunteered, or I, I don't know, and I don't presume to go there. I have no idea what happened or how. But I believe it must have been something like that, because God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit 
instead of doing what I would do if I was God, which, where, which is no way, man. I'm God. I'm not going to suffer the most painful thing I could ever possibly suffer for some creation. No, I mean, I'll, I'll do it. We'll do it a different way where we don't have to suffer. That's what I would have done. I believe there's a probably a pretty good chance that's what you would have done. That's not what God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit decided. They decided they would do the most painful thing that could possibly happen to them so that I could have real grace because it was paid for through the justice of Jesus' life who was innocent. What does that mean? Um, one of the main things it means, Paul talks about in um, Romans 7, which is a passage that saved my life on multiple occasions, where Paul says, what I want to do is not what I do, but what I do is what I don't want to do, and I do it over and over and over again. And boy, the first time I really read that and understood it, I was just, I couldn't even speak. I was so overwhelmed. Because it described me to a T. And Paul says, when that happens, it's not me doing it. Whoa, 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 wait, a, time out. Paul, I remember doing it 15 minutes ago. I specifically remember uh, standing there not having a, a dime for the candy bar. And this actually happened to me when I was a little kid in South Pittsburgh. Wanting that candy bar so bad, tasting it, um, and, 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 and walking around the store and thinking and thinking and thinking. And I'm leaning more and more towards stealing it, which I believe is wrong. And, but anyway, over the course of probably 45 minutes of walking around the five and dime store, I grab it, put it in my pocket, go outside, get out where no one can see me, rip off the candy bar, ate it, and almost threw up. It was the worst candy bar I've ever had in my life, and you know why. So how in the world could that not be me that did it? Well, God said he knew I was going to take that candy bar before I ever took it, and that when Jesus died, it was to satisfy justice for my taking the candy bar and everything else I would ever do in my life so that I could now receive the free grace of God, which means that I can now live under a new law. The old law, if I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I get bad. The new law, if I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I still get good. At least long term. You know, that doesn't even compute, really, to the human mind. I've had so many people that I've worked with um, who have said, no, 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 that, 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 that just doesn't work logically, but it does. 
God is not bound by time as we are. And before any of this ever started, God knew I couldn't do it right. If he wanted to know, he knew all of my wrongs, all of my sins. They knew the solution before they started, which was Jesus coming and paying for me what I could not pay for myself. So once that happened, and to God it happened before the foundation of the world, before any day had ever started, because it had been decided, it had been acted on, it was a done deal, even though it wouldn't happen still for some time, in the mind and heart of God, it was a done deal. To the point that Paul says about um, Abraham, was Abraham justified by what he did or because he believed? And Abraham obviously lived in the old law, do good, get good, do bad, get bad, and Paul shocked them when he said, no, wrong. He was justified because he believed. In other words, in God's mind, he was operating under grace even though Jesus had not died yet. It still would happen for Abraham even though he didn't realize that maybe at the time. And of course, for me and available for you today, where if I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I still get good. No matter what I do, I still get good as long as I am and stay in right, loving relationship with God because that was the point of my very existence, the reason for my very existence, the meaning for my life to be in right, loving relationship with God for the benefit of both of us, I believe, because it said God was lonely, and I certainly need it, and to be in loving relationship with you, Hope, Harry, George, John, Mary, everyone I possibly can, okay? And to spread the word of the <laughs> good news, I call it, God's miracle plan of love. Because it's absolutely unthinkable. I don't think anyone except God ever would have done what he did. Because it did cost him, I believe, the greatest pain he could ever suffer. And I would never do that if I were him. I'd, let's find another way. God paid the price so that today... The only thing I have to do is accept His love for me and do my best. Do my best what? Do my best in the present moment, the next 30 minutes or so, to think, feel, believe, act in love as best I can. Whether I'm filing or making phone calls or... Uh, swimming, or on a walk, or having a conversation with a client. doesn't matter what I'm doing. The only goal I ever have in my life now, under God's miracle plan of love, is the next 30 minutes in love as best I can. And that includes you, it includes God, it includes loving myself because God loves me. All right? 
but I literally am in a place where long-term I can't lose and long-term I'm almost virtually guaranteed my very best possible life. Now, I may not be a millionaire. I may not be famous. I may not have any great physical uh, attributes or singing ability or not very good-looking or handsome. Or Yeah, all that may be true. But that's not me anyway. That's just the suit I'm wearing. Underneath, in our spiritual self, we all look the same, I assume. And will after this life, from then on. Okay? And so, yes, what I'm saying is I believe that this, that this life is a stepping stone, really, to the real life, the next life. When time is made irrelevant, I, I believe time was invented for this earthly world because faith requires time, all right? Well, in the next world, I believe, there's a pretty good chance we won't have time. It'll just be infinity time. It'll just never end. And I won't be in this suit of flesh, which makes me want all the fear and self-stuff. I'll be without that. So love will be much easier. But I had to go through this stepping stone to see when given a pretty fair choice, am I going to choose what's in it for me? Seek pleasure, avoid pain. What I want, when I want, etc. Or am I going to choose love as best I can? Never do it right, but as best I can. Putting others equal or even above myself. And not getting all upset either when I mess up, but being more grateful and thankful that that was paid for before I ever even did it. You know, when Paul was describing to them this grace, they obviously just can't get it. Doesn't make any sense. One of them finally says, wait a minute, if what you're saying is true, I could just sin more and more and more. And it would all be covered. Paul's response... You're right. You can choose to sin more and more and it will all be covered. But if you really understand what God has done for you and His great love and Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in us now and the price He paid for me out of His love, a magical thing happens when I really understand that. I will not want the what's in it for me anymore. I will not want to seek pleasure, avoid pain. I will be delighted to give someone else what they need first. To sacrifice for someone else. And it won't be a have to, it will be a want to. And wow, that's great, thanks, let's do it some more. So, for me, as someone who believes in Jesus, the meaning of life is right relation is finding out 
hopefully through looking at everything, the truth, which is that there is a God in spiritual reality, that God is a God of love, truth, justice, and grace, and he wants to be in right, loving, mutually beneficial relationship with him and for me to be in those same kind of loving, mutual, mutually beneficial relationships with you and everyone else possible. I believe that is my meaning of life. And if I'm right about that, about this, and, and about what's in this book, God's Miracle Plan of Love. As soon as I believe that, give myself to God, to Jesus, in commitment. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry for all these things I've done wrong. Please forgive me. I want to commit my life into loving, right relationship with you. When that occurs... I've won. <laughs> what have I won? My life. I found the meaning of life and accomplished it. Well, God accomplished it, but I get it. I went to the end of the goal line and the horn went off and I'm ahead. I win my life because I found and acted on the meaning of life. And so what does that mean? It means now I'm free. I've already won. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. If I die, I die and I go on to the next step early. Now, I don't want to die, but i got to tell you the idea of a place that's uh, ten times, a hundred times, a million times more wonderful and perfect than this place sounds kind of appealing. Okay, um, I, I've used a phrase before that's got me in trouble, and um, I'm going to use it again, even though it'll probably get me in trouble again. But when when I think of eternity with God, um, a word that came to me many years ago was spiritual orgasm, and I don't mean that in any sort of a fleshly or or flippant or slang kind of way. What I mean is that a lot of people would agree that, that the best, at least physically based, feeling you can ever have on earth, and it's led to all kinds of addictions, is orgasm. Okay? And orgasm is supposed to be a not um, making love, but celebrating love with someone that I love and they love me and our relationship is right and it's right and healthy for us to have sex. And so together we experience that orgasm and when it's with the right person and it's healthy and they love me and I love them, oh my goodness, the non-physical part of that just takes the physical part to a whole different level, okay? That is like the height of love in a way on this earth. Well, I am very well may be wrong, but I believe in heaven, 
or in eternity, what comes after this, if we choose right relationship with God and not what's in it for me our whole life, I think might be something like spiritual orgasm, meaning many times beyond what I've experienced with hope that is almost just so incredible that I can't even speak or I just scream it's so great. Either extreme. I think that's maybe just a taste of what's coming next and this life is the stepping stone. Okay? That is just like this in the scape of eternity. Alright? But once I find the meaning of life, commit to it, commit to God, um, I've won. So from then on, I really don't have, I mean, yeah, I don't want to die necessarily, but I've won. Nothing can happen to me that in a sense is not okay. Or, put another way, if you have not done this in your life and lots of things in your life you maybe feel like are not okay, I don't believe there's anything in your life that will not be made okay if you too choose and come into right loving relationship with God and other people. You'll have won. And then the rest of your life, you'll be free too. So, next section, we'll go to number two. Okay, if that's the meaning of life, what is my, Alex, specific purpose for my life? That's where we'll pick up next time. Thank you so very much, and have a wonderful, blessed day.